Welcome to Watershed's podcast, the first of 2020. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm a cinema curator here at Watershed and joined by Thea Berry, who's the cinema producer. And we shall be talking about some of the great films that are in store for you in the first few months of this new year in cinema. But first of all, musicals. Last year, we celebrated um, the musical, uh, the fantastic musical genre as part of the BFI's um, celebration of musicals um, and we screened such fantastic films like Singing in the Rain, um, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg and it continues this month. We'll be screening uh, Russian musicals, um, a great range of rarely screened um, and you don't really identify Russia with musicals but of course um, that was a genre which they worked with and, and um, celebrated productivity in the great agricultural front in Russia, as well as, so the partly propaganda, but partly also a great insight into musical culture from Russia. And that's a strand called Melodia, Musicals from Russia and the Caucasus, uh, which runs through January. But we've also got, we at Watershed have been working with young people, and I'm delighted to welcome Hannah Higginson, who is the engagement producer at Watershed, and also Malaika Kagodi, I was a performance poet and director of Milk Poetry, and, and thanks for joining us um, for this podcast. But for, Hannah, we'll just start with you first. Just tell us about, we, this was a project of working with young people through Rife magazine here at Watershed. Just tell us how it came about and what the project is. So Rife magazine um, is a project that's co-produced with Watershed and Young People, and it's an online magazine. Um, but we also like to dabble in lots of different things that um, give young people the chance to get involved in creativity and culture in the, um, in the city. And we've worked with you guys in the cinema team before to co-produce events. And it just brings like a really different flavor, I think, when yeah. you bring new curators, fresh voices in. Yeah. Um, it brings a new approach to how you present films. Yeah. It often brings in new audiences. Yeah. So what we did um, when we heard that BFI was celebrating all things musicals for their blockbuster season, um, we got together some of our Rife content creators. So young people all aged under 24. We had um, spoken word artists, filmmakers, writers, yeah. illustrators, yeah. and we got them all together. I was just going to say before, before, what was their response to musicals? Because you know that that great thing about you know having young people working with the film program here at Watershed. Because you know one of the theories is that um, young people don't want to see broader range of films. You know it's the kind of mainstream that they are interested in. Of course, what we find is of course they're interested in all sorts of films, and that and that's great. With musicals, did did you have to encourage them, or was there an immediate response to musicals as something that the a genre that they that they really took to? Yeah, so when we heard about the season, we um, did a shout out and said, you know, who's interested in musicals? And for what we found was those that were interested were really interested. Yeah. It's a bit of a Marmite thing, I think, with musicals. Yeah. Um, so we actually had a really good response and there was a real interest there. And I think often we find that the young creatives are particularly interested in sort of the body of work of film. So we had a really good response and they were particularly interested, I think, in often, you know, you say musicals to people and people think kind of jazz hands and frivery and they were really interested in actually what are some of the bigger issues that 
are um, discussed in musicals, that are drawn out. They're often very interesting kind of portraits of moments in time. So they were really, really interested in um, sort of how is race being dealt with um, in musicals, what's kind of identity politics, mm -hmm. how's that been told through the stories of those musicals. And actually, when you look back, you can really see how those issues have been dealt with very, very differently by the genre. And that was really interesting. So there was a definite focus on wanting to kind of unpick and mm. uncover actually what are some of the bigger themes. Well, and it's and it's because when you say musicals, you can sort of think, yeah, the, the jazz hands, the all singing, all dancing, as though they're somehow escapist and they don't deal with the real world. And I just keep thinking of West Side Story, which of course has been remade by Spielberg and I'm sure it'll be coming out at some point, probably this year. But West Side Story is, 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 a, is about race and it's about you know, living in the city in New York. It's about the sort of multiculturalism of New yeah. York and how it's dealing with race. So it's not just a, you know, um, all singing, all dancing, but dealing very much with kind of political issues. Absolutely, and that's actually one of the titles we've chosen for the, the Rife Presents with Milk Poetry screenings that we're doing this January. Um, and I think what's really interesting about that is, though, that there's things about how race was dealt with as well in film. Like, you know, in that film, you know, some of the actors are blacked up rather than using black actors. Mm. So there's really interesting things around also what was sort of acceptable yeah. um, when that film was made yeah. and now what feels really unacceptable. Yeah. Um, so it is about the issues, but it's also about how they were dealt with in the making of the yeah. film and are presented, that yeah. I think is also really interesting. Yeah. And what, so what shape is the event taking? It happens at the towards the end of January? Yeah, it's on um, Saturday the 18th of January. Um, and what's really amazing, you can come for the whole day and totally mm. immerse yourself. So we've mm. got a screening of West Side Story and Hairspray. And then for the whole day, we've teamed up with um, Milk Poetry. Yeah. Um, and what, what um, the Rife curators were really interested in was bringing in artists and spoken word felt really resonant, actually, mm. to reflect on those deeper themes, the bigger issues of musicals. So what we've done is invited Milk Poetry to mm. curate a, a group of poets who are going to be responding to the musicals. Mm. They're also going to be running a workshop. So if you're a kind of aspiring spoken word artist or um, you can come and work with some mm. of the poets and mm. create some work in response to musicals. Yeah. And then we've got an amazing showcase at the end of the day, which is going to be a sort of mad musical inspired yeah. poetry, speed poems, musical interludes. Um, you're going to have the chance to share your musical memories. It's going to be, we don't quite know what it is kind of going to be yet, but it will be fun. And that's going to be really good, I think. And Malika, you're director of Milk Poetry. Um, uh, how much persuasion did you have to <laughs> take to get involved in musicals? Oh, absolutely none at all. I was up for it straight away. I'm a massive musical fan. Um, yeah. So as soon as I heard that the BFI were doing this musical season, I was like, how can I be involved? What can I do to be yeah. part of this? Um, so yeah, when Hannah got in touch, I was like, yeah. I think I replied so quickly, like, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we were absolutely delighted. Yeah. Because it's that thing we were saying earlier: musicals can be a bit of a, some, you know, either you absolutely love them or you really, really hate them. Doesn't yeah. seem to be a kind of middle ground, which is really, uh, which is really strange. Mm. Um, so, what, what was it that switched you on to musicals? It's interesting, yeah, because I think there are people who really, really love musicals and people who hate musicals and think they're the worst thing ever. 
Um, but I think a lot of those people actually secretly do like musicals. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. So I, think, I think they're just being ornery difficult <laughs> by saying, oh, yeah, no, I don't really like this yeah. thing about people singing and dancing and enjoying themselves. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of those people are like, well, what about West Side Story? Like, oh, no, I love West Side yeah, Story. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I love I singing love in the rain. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I've loved musicals since I was a kid, really. Yeah. It all kind of started when I... Uh, Borrowed my, I was staying at my grandma's house and found an old VHS of Annie, um, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and like immediately rewound it and watched it again, and just since then, I think I just loved this like unabashed emotional yeah. quality that they have. Like I think one of the most um, attractive things to me in terms of art and of people mm. is just complete conviction in what you're doing, yeah, and passion, and if you're in a musical. If you're making a musical, you can't really go it at half-hearted. Yeah. You can't burst into song and only do it a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's got to be full. It. It's got to be full force, and that's what I always. Because I'm one of these people that, yeah, I don't really like musicals. Mm. Um, and then it is exactly that. Oh, Bandwagon. Oh, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Fred Astaire was great in Bandwagon, and then you just need to watch the, uh, of course, Singing in the Rain when Gene Kelly does the Singing in the Rain for mm. exactly that passion and emotion and just sheer yeah and it's it's you just got you just go with it and it's but it, it is about emotion and passion rather than a sort of rational um, exactly. oh yes that wouldn't happen in log logic and rational you know the plot <laughs> well it wouldn't really break into song yeah it's abandoning that logic and just yeah. relishing in the emotion yeah i think that's the thing and whether that be negative or positive emotion i think there's something so cathartic about yeah. seeing people just like have this emotion take over their entire body so much that they have to sing and they have to dance and join together mm. with other people. And another thing I love about musicals is just this like subversive quality. Like so often the people who write musicals and create musicals, they're minorities. Yeah. Um, they're like gay men or Jewish men or yeah. women. And they can just be really unabashed yeah. and tell these really personal stories and do it with such, uh, such like joy and conviction. Yeah. And I think that's a really great thing. And so many complicated female characters, um, right from like musicals from the 40s and 50s, yeah. place women front and centre. Well, and that is the thing is that if you you know if you go behind if you go a bit deeper mm. into the genre and into the, the the films, you begin to find that there's. And I say that for me was a bit West Side Story. Is you can see that it was actually dealing very mm. um, seriously with race and identity. Yeah. And it was very much of its time, as you said earlier, Hannah, you know, the way in which they sort of did black up, or, you know, which of course is completely unacceptable. Mm. Um, but within that sort of moment in Hollywood, it was, they, they were trying to do something that was mm. opening up issues. It's interesting. And I think that, um, yeah, because obviously there's the notorious casting of Natalie Wood as Maria yeah. in West Side Story, which is always a bit like, really? But that's why it's exciting that this remake is coming out. And, yeah. you know, they've... Um, cast Rachel Zegler who's a Colombian actress yeah. and having a woman of colour in that role and just being able to honour the original film but also bring it up to date and be like there's there's these people of colour who are amazing and can now be on the screen and tell the stories that they were supposed to tell in the first place. And what so what what is your What's the event going to be for you then? Um, how are you going to respond to the Yeah, it's going to be really exciting, films? I think. So I commissioned a few poets to write some poems in response to the films that are going to be shown. So we've got Asma Jammer, who is a former rifer, um, still works with Rife a little bit, who's local to Bristol and is just an amazing, beautiful, lyrical poet um, who's going to be responding to West Side Story mm. as well as some musical memories. Um, we've got Caroline Teague, and they are a cabaret artist and a musician and spoken word poet 
who will respond to hairspray. And I think what was really important, and we just came up through our conversations, was that in so many of these films that are about race, uh, femmes of colour don't really have that much of a voice, even if they were supposed to have a voice, they've been cast as like a white person is playing that role. Um, or Mama Baybel in Hairspray is like the main black character who gets sort of one sort of very sexual song and then is mostly a background character. So I commissioned Asma and Caroline as uh, films of colour who are also poets to sort of give a voice to maybe the characters who were in this world and maybe didn't come to the fore. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to create, what commissions they're going to do. They're both amazing performers, mm. so that'll be great. Uh, and the workshop that we're going to be doing in the middle of the day, again, is going to be about celebrating voices that aren't necessarily always sort of championed and just zoning in on those things that we find inspirational about musicals. So that can be a specific character, a specific setting, or just your own memories of musicals. Uh, another thing we spoke about a lot is this musical memory thing. Mm. Everyone's got a memory of a musical, whether it be like their mum's favourite musical or the first time they saw a musical at school or like an amateur musical. Um, so yeah, just finding those memories and honouring them and saying like, yeah, this is great. This is part of the formation of your tastes and what you love. And uh, yeah, so we're inviting people to, to bring in those musical memories and I'm going to try and put them into a speed poem very quickly and <laughs> perform it at the end of the day. Yeah. Sounds great. And that intergenerational thing I think is really interesting because you do find that it's kind of passed mm. on from generation to generation or that you get inspired by your, your parents or grandparents' yeah. enthusiasms. So it's a, it, it sounds like a great day to both celebrate the musical genre but go a bit deeper, mm -hmm. explore some of the themes and maybe even a bit of performance yeah definitely as well definitely part yeah, of the yeah. so there's there'll be the workshop in the middle of the day and then anyone who feels like they want to share we have mm. a showcase after hairspray um so the poets who were commissioned work are going to come and perform in that mm. um also beth calverley who's going to run the workshop with me in the middle of the day uh, has created some content for that night and also yeah we're just going to invite people who've written something musical adjacent to to come and perform and give it a go mm. it's going to be really sort of crazy and we're not sure what it's going to be, but we're just inviting people to... Well, to the, 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 the spontaneity and improvisation is part of the musical genre as well, and surely. And spoken so, word. And yeah. spoken <laughs> word, exactly. Which is why exactly. we felt it was so nice to... There's sort of a real um, synergy, it feels like, actually, between those two kind of artistries, you know, mm. that it's, it's musicals and spoken word both sort of articulate sometimes what we find hard to say about the world or what we can't express so it yeah. feels really nice to actually yeah. get poets to respond yeah. to films and I think that will you know we'd really encourage I think as you say musicals is a passed down through generations and maybe you've watched them as a kid but I think it's so nice to come and watch them as an adult mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. yeah on the big screen and then actually have someone sort of bring something very fresh and a new interpretation through yeah. the poetry. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's all happening on... It's Saturday the 18th of January. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got another bonus um, screening, which is with East Bristol Cinema, which is something very different, which is a visual album um, by Semper, which we're doing with We Are Parable, and that's on Friday the 29th of January. If you want to find out more, go to watershed.co.uk. Thanks very much, Hannah and Malaika. Thanks. Thanks very much. As Hannah and Malaika tap dance their way out of the studio, um, we're going to be looking for the second part. We're going to be looking at some of the titles 
that you can expect to see at Watershed over the next couple of months. And I'm joined by Thea, cinema producer, as Hello. I said at the beginning. Uh, welcome, Thea, to this first review of the year. So what, what are the, on the horizon, what are the, what are the highlights for you? For me, so the big one for me is, of course, Celine Siamma's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm. which will be coming at the end of February. And I've been a massive fan of her work for years. So All throughout school, we were. Girlhood, tomboy. Yes, Water Lilies. Um, I wrote my university dissertation on her work. Yeah. I, I think she's just a formidable film, filmmaker. And she's done it again with this. It's just such a, yeah. a stunning film about just a, a love story to women in the late 1800s in France. And I think what was what's really fascinating about this film, it's such a masterful exploration of desire and how desire works, how it works on screen, how it works in a story. But also primarily, rather than focusing on, at that time, all the restrictions and constraints around women and what they could do in terms of relationships, um, their own bodies, she doesn't focus on that at all. You know, set by the sea, it's a completely open landscape. Mm. Um, of what these two women can can do and how they can live. Mm. Very slow moving and it, it builds and builds and it's just just stunning. Yeah. I, I and I completely agree that's one of the uh, it is one of the highlights of the, of the year already coming up. Mm. I I saw it in Cannes uh, last year and there was a lot of buzz about it. Um, I rather stupidly had to go to a meeting that I, uh, I think somebody else had organised. I'll blame somebody else for it. <laughs> but I had to go to a meeting halfway through it. So I, I thought I'd watch the first hour, mm. get a sense of you know everything that's going on. And I had to leave. And I was kind of, I felt a bit uncertain about it at that mm. point, halfway through, as to where it was going to go, how it was going to evolve. And I thought, right, okay. I'm, I'm, and I think that was partly me thinking, well, I've made the decision I'm going to a meeting, so I'll, yeah, it's not going to be very good. And so of course, later on that day, everybody that was in that screening uh, which I think was its first screening in Cannes, just said to me, oh, my God, that was absolute masterpiece. <laughs> you know, people's responses were so enthusiastic. And I said, oh, really? The second time really just accumulated, built. Uh, all right, OK. Um, so I finally caught up with her um, a few months later. And, yeah, I mean, it is, it, she's just so... Um, there's just such a confidence in the filmmaking, the storytelling. And, you know, there's, there's all that, you know, that famous article by Laura Mulvey, the film uh, critic about the female, uh, about the male gaze. Yeah. I said female gaze because, <laughs> what, because what Selinsky Amma introduces into the is mm. the female gaze. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's just that there's, that there's, a, there's just a kind of powerful female storytelling. A bit like, I guess, echoes of the the piano, Jane Campion's The yes. Piano, the way Jane Campion kind of very subtly, I think, kind of inflected what that, who's looking at who. Mm. And of course, because it's about a painting of some portrait of a lady, it's a woman looking at a woman. Yeah. And I was watching um, the relationship build and it's just brilliantly cinematic, really powerful piece of work and fantastic for Celine Sciamma that she's getting that recognition, you know, you know as a great filmmaker. Well, full, full exactly, stop. exactly, and I think uh, sort of a not a, perhaps a, a bugbear, but something you know we say she's a great female filmmaker, mm. and she's just a, a brilliant filmmaker, full stop. Such a, a stunning screenplay, the cinematography. I don't know, I'm sort of gushing here, but it's just it's just beautiful. The use of light, and of course about the gaze, the way that the female gaze is that it 
the camera is also always sort of looking yeah. and you're wondering who is looking at who and uh, yeah I just I, I can't wait to watch it again mm. last year we had a preview as part of the film festival French film festival on tour a great audience is a great audience response I've told everybody to go and see it yeah and so they should so talking about films that we're passionate about is the the lighthouse for me just a brilliant film Robert Eggers who directed The Witch this is his second film and it stars Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson who are cast away on the lighthouse on an island in the middle of nowhere and it's set in the late 1800s and um, again I saw it in Cannes last year I saw it at 8.30 in the morning um, which I'd heard you know a bit about this this was the first screening and I'd seen the Robert Eggers films I love Willem Dafoe as an actor, so I'm always going to go and see a film that Willem Dafoe's in. Went to see it at 8.30, to say, and I felt the film picked me up out of my chair, swung me about, threw me around, and then th- cast me back into yeah, my chair. Quite so, Real yeah. visceral filmmaking and performances yeah. um, from the pair of them. It's just brilliant, and I think, you know, Robert Pattinson was someone very much of my generation. When Twilight came out, I must have been 13 or something, in this huge swarm around him of this being this teen mm. heartthrob. And he's made such fascinating choices over his career afterwards. You know, yeah, uh, Cosmopolis really with David Cronenberg, he's worked yeah. with twice. And, yeah. and I, he's really brilliant in this. And just, it's such a joy to watch those two actors acting so well, clearly having such, like, such a great time, like so much fun and yeah. properly going for it. Well, they and they—I mean, they're obviously working off each other—and apparently yeah. they spend they spend a good few weeks holed up in a hotel room um, to create the claustrophobia mm-hmm. of being in the lighthouse. And I, I gather Willem Dafoe even might have spent some time uh, in a lighthouse, a um, bit of method acting going <laughs> on there. But you know, it's it's it, it kind of reminded me of Bait in, mm-hmm. in the way that it's it's black and white, it's Academy ratio, so it's got that square picture. It's it, it feels like it, it it feels like it was made in eighteen ninety five. You know, it's got that it's got that qu- those qualities to it, and it's a kind of rip roaring, salty dog sea tale. Um, they both speak in dialects, very mm. specific dialects from the east coast of of America, Maine at that time. And it's got a kind of Herman Melville, um, just just brilliant. As you say, great great seeing the pair of them going off the rails. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, uh, really enjoy and. Talking about um, going off the rails, another one uh, is, of course, Bong Joon-ho's long-awaited Parasite, um, which actually doesn't, it's not going off the rails. What I mean is it it takes you on a kind of completely unpredictable uh, uh, journey, but it is told with such precision and um, tense filmmaking it's it's such a joy so i first heard about it i don't know murmuring sort of throughout this, the last year of it's so brilliant it's so brilliant it's so brilliant and i was sort of excited but worried that it wasn't going to live up to my expectations mm. but it sort of delivered on every account yeah no ab- absolutely um but we start this year with taiki watiti's jojo rabbit which i saw last year and at the toronto film festival where it premiered and for me, from my side of thinking how films are going to perform um, in this time of years of uh, you know kind of the awards season, um, and you know you, you want the films to be successful, and I was thinking, oh, Jojo Rabbit, without seeing it, I thought Jojo Rabbit feels like it could be um, our three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, you know, a film which is re- really brilliant, intelligent, smart, and 
audiences really respond to. I really responded to Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was a really brilliant satire. Taika, well, you know, Taika Waititi is is directing. You know, this is the guy that, that yes did Thor, but also did Hunt for the, the Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder Boy. People. We in the Shadows. Uh, what we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. And he's got such a satirical comedy and he, this is the young young boy late mid 40s during the, the second world war young german boy who's in the nazi youth who's got um imaginary friend who's adolf hitler um and he takes you on this really um brilliant as i say satirical uh, journey which is which is having a go at nationalism at, at, at fascism and it's a very anti-hate message. Um, but yeah, it really divided the critics after it was it was screened, yeah. which I was I was surprised by, because I do think it really works um, brilliantly as a, as a film with a message. And of course, this subject, you, you know, has uh, Mel Brooks did it with the producers. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, there is a, a a history of, and particularly people from Jewish backgrounds and experiencing of tackling the subject of Nazism and Hitler through through comedy, actually. Well, exactly. There was, I think, you know, now there's this whole question of, well, can we laugh at Hitler? And so, well, we've done it before. And I think some of the re reviews that I've read in response to this is that, is, is it being executed properly? Is it the right way of dealing with something that is very serious? And I think this sort of, you know, with Taika Waititi, who, who is of Polynesian Jewish descent, his mother's Jewish, of this sort of cosplay of owning this character of Hitler and just completely sort of tearing him to shreds and, and laughing at him and the whole ideology, I think is a, a great way to sort of tackle th that sort of very serious topic. And I think at the heart of what the story is, is also about a young boy who just wants to belong somewhere. And it's 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 about how you you realise how impressionable young people mm. are, um, and how they can be moulded and shaped into a particular way, and it and it 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 shows up the stupidity. So um, the main the main thing about Jojo Rabbit is to make up your own mind. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly recommend it. Actually, I was thinking it reminded me of Roald Dahl, um, oh, Roald totally. Dahl stories. Yeah. You know, in the in the way that Roald Dahl. Um, seems to be writing children's stories, but they're very dark and they've got a very strong moral message within them. Mm. Um, you know, you think about the witches, BFG. Um, the it, ta it takes you, it takes you down this sort of, and that's like what I guess you know, fairy stories and these things. They always have a a, a moral message um, and a kind of warning. And so I, I that was the way I started thinking about Jojo Rabbit was kind of in that role, Dal sort of. Uh, vain, but make up your own minds, please do. And also, um, this month is the the personal history of David Copperfield. Oh, what a joy! Yeah, which which is Armando Iannucci, known for you know the thick of it, you, you know those kind of political, contemporary political satires. And I was I was surprised actually at, at you know why he's kind of gone yeah. back, as it were, to 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 Dickens and to David Copperfield. What might appear like a kind of classic um, adaptation of a classic book. But of course, what Ian Uchi does is is bring that um, very contemporary sensibility to oh, exactly. Copperfield. And for me, it, it was such a joy for me to watch. I grew up on British comedy and to sit through the whole thing and go, oh, look, that, that's so-and-so. And oh, I remember when they did that. And, and it's sort of a tapestry of everyone who seems to have worked in 
British comedy throughout through the 80s and the 90s and early noughties and it was just I thought it was just great and charming which some people might say is a negative but I was thoroughly charmed and it seems very very contemporary it's a contemporary message There's, you know the question around the sort of the colour buying casting Dev Patel just such a brilliantly sensitive performance as David Copperfield um, yeah I can't speak sort of better of it rather wonderfully we've got Armando Inucci coming I can't um, wait in the 9th of January, and he will be obviously talking about um, the film, so there's an opportunity there to find out um, more about the making of the film. So there's a lot coming up um, in the first couple of months. We haven't even mentioned Queen and Slim, we haven't mentioned Waves, or even mentioned Terence Malick's A Hidden Life. Uh, so plenty of great films coming up um, this year. Um, and as I say, starting straight off with Jojo Rabbit, personal history of um, David Copperfield and many more. Check out watershed.co.uk. That's all for this month.